Welcome to the Resound Worship Songwriting Podcast, Episode 4. I'm Joel Payne from Resound Worship. I'm Sam Hargreaves from EngageWorship.org. And this is a podcast to equip, train and inspire grassroots songwriters serving their local church. We'll be dissecting a classic song, focusing on technique in the workshop and bringing you interviews with some of the finest worship songwriters around as well as other experts in the field. And we'll be responding to your tweets, Facebook messages and emails. So we're on to episode four. Uh, What have we got coming up this week? We've got a classic song. Be Still for the Presence of the Lord. We've got the workshop. We're talking about song structure. We've got an interview with Geraldine Latte, Geraldine Luce. Whoop, whoop. And uh, more importantly, though, Sam, what have you been up to since we last spoke? Well, you're going to be jealous because there is crisp white snow outside my oh. window. Here in Sweden, we've had... Uh, this is our second little flurry of snow. It's it's nothing too impressive, but it is pretty. That is pretty. We did actually have some snow um, about a did week you? ago. Yeah, it just sort of appeared out of nowhere overnight. Three or and four then flakes. Yeah, yeah. Just enough to settle on a car and then... Just enough for the schools to be closed. Yeah, so. basically we closed all the schools south of Scotland. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, uh, the, the, I guess the thing that uh, I'm working on and uh, would like to let people know about is uh, we've got a intensive at London School of Theology. I'm going back to be a guest lecturer again in January. It's the 27th to the 29th. Uh-huh. And the focus is working with young people uh, regarding worship and spiritual development so if you are a youth worker or you know a youth worker or maybe you're a worship leader or a pastor and you want to engage your young people uh, we look at a whole range of things we look at music and songs and developing bands but we also look at other forms of worship spirituality Uh, and this time we've got a couple of really good guest speakers for the evenings we've got a girl called marcel coming from hillsong which is going to be really interesting Uh, and then we've also got um Amy Tommy from uh, she runs Schools Work UK out of uh, uh, Youthscape in Luton, and uh, she's going to be great. She's going to talk about uh, contemplative spirituality in young people. They've done lots of really interesting stuff going into schools and helping young people engage with God, even if they're not from a Christian background or whatever. So um, yeah, it's going to be good. And if people want to come, they can go to lstonline.ac.uk. Ac.uk. Yep, and uh, they can they can either sign up uh, for the whole three days, or you can just come for the evenings if you just want to come and hear Marcel or, or Amy. You can just kind of drop in for free for the evenings. So our, our main thing, other than the usual fair this month, is to introduce our twelve song challenge. Twelve song challenge. So we talked about this a little bit, didn't we, uh, in a previous episode? Now I was saying I'd like something to kind of get me going get my creativity flowing and so on um and we've come up with this idea that we want to do a 12 song challenge and that's one per month and it's a song it doesn't have to be finished to the point of perfection but within that month you try to get a kind of coherent song so it's identifiably there even if it could do with some refining so we would really like you our listeners to join in with this so sam and i are going to have a go each month at writing something we're going to find a way of sharing it with you we'll we'll maybe share it on the podcast and talk about our experiences of it that month but we're really interested in what you might come up with as well uh we'll look for a way to to be able to share that on the website but certainly our facebook page is a perfect place to think of it as a little community come and yeah come and share your attempts and um, Sam, do you want to tell us what we've chosen as songwriting challenge number one for 2016? 
Yes, so January's songwriting challenge is going to be a scripture song. So this is harking back a little bit to the sort of 70s and 80s uh, when people were writing. I think people that spring to mind are like Ian White, who used to write whole psalms and um, people who would um, basically put scripture to music. And uh, the challenge, I think, with the scripture song is that whereas sometimes you read a bit of scripture and then you jump off from it and you paraphrase it to the hills and you you, you pull it around. I think the challenge with the scripture song is to get most of the scripture into the song in a way that actually if someone remembers the song and then they read the scripture in the bible they go oh yeah i've i know a song about that yeah um so we are giving people the freedom and ourselves the freedom uh to use different translations to slightly trim the words here and there yeah uh, if that kind of fits better with the with the with the melody and that kind of thing so it doesn't have to be just pick up the niv and set the words that would be a bit difficult it is a song um but we are encouraging uh, well, we're, we're challenging ourselves and we're challenging you, the listener, to write something which is a, essentially a setting of a short passage of scripture. Great. So our target is um, we've got until the end of January for this. Sam and I might just go a little bit earlier because we need to have something ready for a podcast recording. But um, if you want to join us, then we've got till the end of January. And what we're going to do now, live on air, recorded on the podcast, is Sam and myself will set one another a scripture passage. And then what we're going to say is that you're free to choose one of those and and have a go at it as well. It'll be really interesting to see what we come up with. So, Sam, are you ready? I'm going to... I've got one for you. I've got my Gone Bible in. open in front of do me. It. This is do my, it. my NIV New International <laughs> Picture, of oh, Ga- it's, Picture it's, of Galilee version. It's well-thumbed. It is well-thumbed, isn't it? Yeah. It's my yeah. most well-thumbed Bible. I think it's because I dropped it in some water. But anyway. <laughs> um, okay, I'm, I would like you to take John chapter 14, uh-huh. verses 15 to 21, which is where uh-huh. Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. If you love me, you'll obey what I command. And I'll ask the Father and he'll give you another counsellor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. John 14. John 14, 15 to 21. I okay. so I feel like a little bit with that. If you know, if you go a little bit further, it doesn't matter, and if you don't make it to the end, it doesn't matter that much. But okay, that's your bit to work with and find. You know, maybe you find a particular block of verses in there. But I, yeah, I'd I'd love to have a song around Thank that. You. Woohoo! Exciting. Okay, I think I've given you a nice one, but I'm giving it oh. to you because it's a great bit of scripture, and I don't think I know a good song that that sets it, which is yeah. kind of weird in a way. Um, so. I've chosen Romans 11, 33 to 36. So the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments, how inscrutable his ways. Who's known the mind of the Lord? Who's been his counselor? Yeah, Who's given bit... a gift to him? Oh, that, uh, give a gift in return yeah. for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Oh, Sam, thank you. You have been much kinder. <laughs> I think that is quite kind, but I you've I, sort of chosen I, a song, whereas I've chosen a passage of scripture. Yeah, but I genuinely think is it there because you, be... you you don't overestimate my skill in this in this area? <laughs> better give <laughs> better give him something that already looks like a song. Yeah, pretty much. Good. No, I I genuinely think it's a great passage, and I'm I'm actually surprised. I think I can vaguely think of one tune that I know. But it, it's not something that I would use. So I guess I'm I'm just being a bit selfish and thinking, actually, I'd like a song that, that sets this. Brilliant. There we go. So the 12-month, 12 12-song 12 challenge. 12-song challenge. 
kicks off in January with scripture songs. We've got John chapter 14 and we've got Romans chapter 11. Um, we'll put, uh, we'll write those on our little show notes thing with the links and things that we put out after the show. Um, and we really want to hear what you come up with as well. So January yeah. is the target. So it's time for Dissect a Classic. And this time, our classic song is Be Still for the Presence of the Lord uh, by David J. Evans. Now, I know this is definitely an absolute classic in the UK. I don't know so much in the US, so I'd be interested to hear from anyone listening how, how well known it is there. But If you don't know it, US people, you should learn it. Yes, you should learn it. And uh, we'll tell you a bit about it, about why it's a classic. So it's, it's nearly 30 years old, actually. It was written in 1986 by David Evans, um, who, as I understand, was in his late 20s. Um, I, the trail sort of runs out there, who this David Evans is. I mean, interestingly, uh, the real name of U2 guitarist The Edge is David Evans. So wow. it's possible. It's possible. In, There's if, not enough delayed guitar, though, in this one. It's not, so it probably isn't the edge. <laughs> but um, he's also a music teacher in Hampshire, I think. What, one of the very interesting things, though, about this song is that we don't know anything else that David Evans has written, I don't think. I mean, I had a look to see... I, I could find maybe one or two other things that are actually published. Yeah. Um, so this is definitely a one-hit wonder, and yet certainly <laughs> in the UK church, it is one of the most sung songs uh, around. So let's dive straight in and see um, why do we think this is a classic song. I'm going to start. And um, the first thing I suppose I want to point to is it has a really classic structure. So we've got three. Ver- this is a, uh, a song without choruses. It's just three verses. And those those verses have this um, classic A-A-B-A thing going on where mm-hmm. the first two lines are virtually the same tune. The final line is virtually the same tune. And the third line is slightly different. So another classic that would fit that would be in Christ Alone. Same tune, yeah. same tune, different tune, same tune. Just kind of adapting the endings or bits of that. That's one of the things it does. So it's a really... Um, and that just works. I mean, if you want to learn about songwriting, that mm. structure works. It's a brilliant way to write something. Because you kind of you, you kind of lay the groundwork, you have the highlight in the moment, and then you come back to the familiar thing and it rounds off nicely. Um, and also, it's interesting that... It repeats lines one and four of each verse are exactly the same. Be still for the presence of the Lord, the Holy One is here. At the end, be still for the presence of the Lord, the Holy One is here. And yeah. then the ones inside expand it. Yeah. Um, so it's got this, it's kind of, it's really well contained. So I think that's one of the things that really gives it some strength. It's got this, it's structural, and then structurally it moves through the presence, the glory, and the power of the Lord. So it's a really, it's a really well put together and um, mm. un unwaffly and unelaborate it just kind of says what it needs to say yeah i agree and at the same time though it does have some really strong content i mean this is written in the the mid 80s so we're thinking <clears throat> kind of charismatic renewal and going on in the uk lots of simple songs probably in d uh, about you know god being here um people yeah. experiencing that and yet actually what this song does is Firstly, it gives some real content to what that means. You know, it's it's easy to use um, very metaphorical language. The fire is coming and the water is lapping and the the, the air is breathing. And, and yeah. you know, and all, that's a bit, that's quite nice. But actually, it it was quite hard to know with some of those songs what we were really going on about yeah. uh, when we were singing them. Whereas this song actually 
it outlines now this is some of the things that god does and who god is and when we experience his presence you know it's giving us some real content but the other thing that really struck me rereading it today was how actually the first two verses are all about kind of awe and wonder and god's power and where i suppose rightly um back in the day and also today when we talk about the holy spirit there's a sense that you know god's holy spirit is comforting and uh changing the atmosphere and you know we we feel you and we you're very close to us and all of that actually this reminds me more of uh of hebrews i don't know if you if you remember in hebrews 12 where it talks about you know we come to god and he's a consuming fire and yeah um you know, we we come to the Mount Zion, the city of living God. It's, yeah. it's 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 powerful imagery, and it ends. You know, since we're receiving a kingdom, it cannot be shaken. Let's give thanks by which we offer to God an acceptable worship with reverence and awe, yeah. for indeed our God is a consuming fire. And so it seems to me that this this writer's um, really emphasising. You know, you've got uh, come bow before Him now with reverence and fear. In Him, no sin is found. We stand on holy ground. And then this, actually the second verse doesn't really, you know, it's it's holy fire, splendor, how awesome is the sight. Yeah. Um, and it's only in the third verse where it shifts to he comes and cleanse and heal and minister his grace. It's almost like he's set up, you know, God is awesome and powerful and um, and, and radiant. And, and, you know, the amazing thing is this awesome, powerful God is coming close and healing and ministering grace. So I think that's that's a really interesting um sort of the the way that he's brought those things in and and musically it's so soft and gentle yeah you almost don't notice uh those those things that the music very much fits the the period and the sort of sense of a you know ministry time but yeah i think uh lyrically it's it's very powerful i also noticed in the um the language of it it's a it's a corporate song that it's addressing one another and it it reminded me that that again was a feature of the sort of the the renewal charismatic renewal 60s 70s um particularly that part of that in in the experience of worship was discovering that you didn't just have to have a choir and uh, a vicar and then you stood and sang the song and it was kind of there was some kind of separation it was actually the whole body is involved we're all involved together in worship and so in some places you know songs would spring up from amongst the body and people would start a song here and there um and people discovered they could write songs and and actually we could express something of who we are together and so the language that you find in some of these slightly older songs is actually they haven't got to this stage of we're all having a personal intense experience with god but actually we're having a corporate experience with god where we can address one another yeah in the midst of that and it's no less real and it's no less worshipful Uh, and actually this song shows it can indeed be incredibly powerful to address one another in the presence of god and and therefore to experience his presence more yeah i think something else that works really nicely is the way that the music's put together i mean it's pretty simple uh there's nothing too odd in there but um there's there's some lovely touches so it starts if you play in d uh, with just chord one but then the very next chord is chord three um the f sharp minor and that's not so common to use chord three but it works really well and uh, what uh, we were noticing when we were talking about this earlier was that the chord progression after that is is called a circle of fifths so it's where the chord jumps um five steps up the scale so it goes from that uh 
F sharp minor to B minor, E minor, A, and then back to D. And that's a really strong um, chord progression. It's it's kind of secure for the listener. Um, and the way that the melody works over that is really strong as well, with the with the notes falling um, strongly onto the the chord notes. It's also got quite a big jump. Um, I noticed. For you still for the presence of the that's a B, and then it jumps down to that D. Uh, but again, it feels like a really strong melody. Um, it's not insecure for the for the congregation there. They're, so, they're secure with the chords. Um, it's good. It's a great song, isn't it? it? I was also thinking, as you said that, that the um, the rhythm of the words matches exactly how you would say them. If I said, so be still for the presence of the Lord, the Holy One mm. is here. Be still. It's exactly the rhythm, isn't it? So singable. So uh, the final question is, uh, Sam, how would you improve it if poor David Evans brought it to Sam Hargreaves in its early days and said, Sam, what do you think? Can I improve this? I think the only thing I would want to say is that because it's so packed, uh, if I use this with a congregation, I just want to make sure that there is space to actually be still. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and one way I was thinking that you could do that is is at the end there. Be still for the presence of the Lord, the holy. So you play a A chord, chord five, and rather than land directly on chord one. Yeah. You could just go, the holy one is chord four, the G. Yeah. Uh, you could go from there to chord one um, with the F sharp in the bass. Starting to sound like a Graham Kendrick song. I think Isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but to, to give it that kind of space for people to respond, I think that could work well. I'm not sure that I'd tell him to rewrite it, but I think just in, in playing it, people might want to consider how they can create the space. And another thing... I think a lot of people would do is just have an instrumental verse yeah. where maybe the melody's being played through. The only other thing that always strikes me when I sing it is that um, the, it feels like the grand, that the climax of the song is the end of verse two, um, which is uh, which has just disappeared off my screen. Which is our radiant King of Light, be still for the glory of the Lord is shining all around. You're sort of left with the glory of the Lord and. Verse three is brilliant, but you're left with the power of the Lord moving this place, and it feels somehow, I don't, I don't know, secondary to the glory. And I, mm. I always think I'd like to be left with the shining glory at the end of it. Um, I, although I totally see what you were saying earlier about the the way that it progresses. That that's my feeling. I sometimes think I wonder if those two verses could have been the other way around. But then, almost, I wouldn't mind a verse four. I wouldn't have minded saying <laughs> to David, "You could do it." I mean, these are good verses. Can you, is there a verse four? Yeah. That's maybe what we might have done. Uh, but yeah, great classic song. Good stuff. Let's move on to the workshop. And this week we're going to talk about song structure. Now, there's a lot we can say about song structure. The main thing we're going to think about this time is just looking through the different bits you can have in a song. The verse, chorus, pre-chorus, middle eight, tag, all these kinds of things. Um Great. Well, let's have a look. So the first building block of a song, um, standard one, is the verse. Uh, verse of a song. In poetry, you might call it a stanza. Um, and um, I suppose some, some obvious but key things about this is that in, in having different verses, it means the lyrics change each time. So each verse is usually about something different. In a good song, it takes a different 
angle or a different theme, but it's connected, you know, so verse two is connected to verse one, but either approaches it differently or develops or continues. Um, it's in some ways they're the journey part of the song yeah. where a chorus is something you repeat and it's a kind of, it's a climax. It's the arrival verse. It's got the details. It's got the truth. It's got the story within it. Um, it's, it's the bit using that inhale, exhale. Like it's the kind of, it's the inhale. It's the breathe in mm. part of it where we take some stuff in, um, which, which prepares us for, um, the chorus. So, so like we said, some songs just have verses because that, that, that you know they work like that and that's you know a lot of traditional hymns are that way um then you've got a um you've got a refrain now refrain is an interesting idea because it's not quite a chorus and it's not really a a verse it, it basically just means a repeated bit somewhere something that you repeat in the song is the refrain and that can be just a um, it could be something like, you know, the da da da, his love endures forever, but da 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 da, his love endures forever. That could be the refrain. Yeah. Um, quite often, the hymns, it's just a single line that appears at the end of each verse, tacked on or repeated um, each time. And I was thinking amongst the resound songs, um, something like Judy's Ring Out the Bells, one of the Christmas ones, is uh, Let the Bells Ring Loud and Clear it, for the Saviour Christ, our Saviour. I've forgotten it. Anyway, it's, it's here. <laughs> but actually, it's almost that's more like just a couple of lines tacked on the end of the verses rather than a kind of a full-on standalone chorus. It doesn't really a refrain won't really stand on its own. It needs to be yeah. attached, doesn't it? That's that's a good definition. The chorus we've mentioned already. It's the in some ways it's the landing point of the song. It's the moment for an exhale. It tends to be less dense. So where you might have a certain amount of content or journey or story within verses, in the chorus you often have some sense of response. It's either a response or a summary or returning to the key phrases. Yeah. Um, musically, very often it's it's set higher. It's a higher pitch than the verses so that it kind of... Mm. And, and it, it, it sort of because it's an exhale because it's an expression and often it's more emotive there's more emotion in it um it often lands bang on the root chord because it's such a solid major thing mm. it doesn't have to and lots of songs don't but that's often it because it's a landing point and you it's the thing that you keep coming back to and so each of your verses if you've got several should each fit comfortably with your chorus whether, uh, you know, whichever one you take them in, in, in a certain extent. Although I yeah. suppose occasionally, and this is quite common, people have two verses, then a chorus, don't they? And that's something to do with building tension, I think, isn't it? I think it's it, it comes from the pop songs. It comes from the... It, it often we get to verse two and the drums come in. Yeah. And then we get to the chorus and it really takes off. Yeah. And there the verse... verse sometimes the verse two is almost doing the role of a pre-chorus, isn't it? Yeah, I think I mean again you can you can play with the conventions, can't you? Um, so a song that that really breaks a lot of these rules, um, the the Ben Cantalong song uh, song, God so loved that he yeah. gave his son. Doo -doo -doo. It has this pre-chorus that goes, Christ the Lord overcame the. That's really quite high. Yeah. Uh, and then it sort of drops down from the beginning of the chorus. For he made us a way by which we have been saved. He's the Savior. And then it goes to chord one, Savior. It gets high again. Yeah. Um, and the first time I heard it, I thought, oh, that's odd. You know, it, it's not really 
it's not really kicking in for the chorus, is it? <laughs> yeah. But actually, you have to turn to the band and say, we're going to have to build through this. We're going to have to make Saviour of the World the high point yeah. of this. And, um, and I, in fact, I think it does work, but it, it's kind of... It's, it's messing with your idea of conventions yeah. and because of that then you, you sort of you, 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 your ears prick up yeah the, the, the other thing about the chorus is that usually you sing a verse or a verse or two and then a chorus it's less common to start with the chorus um, it was perhaps a little bit more common again sort of back in the 80s um, mm. some classics like Kendrick's Rejoice Rejoice straight into the chorus we want to see Jesus lifted yeah. straight into the chorus um, more recently, I guess a good example of that is uh, Matt Redman, mm. uh, Jonas Mirren's Bless the Lord, O oh My Soul, 10,000 Reasons. Bless the Lord, O oh My Soul. Because that's the, that's actually the, that's the chorus of the, of the song, isn't it? And that's where you begin. Yeah. It's actually the most pleasing melody, isn't it? And it really works there. So maybe that's something to, to try sometimes, thinking if that is actually my main point in my song, why not kick off with it? Why do I have to start yeah. somewhere else? So those are some of the main structural elements. And then there are, if you like, some subsidiary ones. And the first one we'll look at is the pre-chorus. So a pre-chorus is sometimes also called a transitional bridge. Um, and what role does it play? Well, it, you, you sing your, um, your verse and then you go into another short section. It's usually only a couple of lines. It's not sort of, you know, might have a four-line verse. And then a pre-chorus is usually one or two lines. And it usually builds some sense of tension musically. Mm. It, it's like a pause. It's a delay anticipating the explosion that you're going to get when you land on the chorus. Um, and as such, really often, the chord that the pre-chorus starts on is either chord four so yep. let's say we're in the key of G. G. So that's G, you know, bang on there. And then, but when we get to the pre-chorus, we'll go to chord four. Because that's just kind of, it's, it's sort of interrupted, it's building some tension. Or we'll go to chord two. Yeah, that's a classic, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, uh, why? Because it's really because chord, chord two in that circle of fifths thing is trying to take us to chord five. And then we're ready, you know, we're ready to hit that chorus. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's often how it works. So I was thinking of a couple of examples um, in uh, in my song, In the Beginning. Uh, in the beginning was the word. So that's all on the on the main chord. And then um, in him was life. You hit, that's chord four. Yeah. That we've hit. Um, uh, um, Brenton Brown and uh, who's the other chap who wrote Everlasting God? Oh, yeah. Um, Why Friday? Ken, Ken, Ken Riley. Ken. Ken. We've remembered you, Ken. Um, gets the our God, you reign forever. Again, that hits the, the chord four, doesn't it? Yeah. And it's a couple of lines that lift and take you into the chorus. Yeah. Yeah, I like having this guy playing guitar in the background. It's, <laughs> it's really good. Maybe because you interpret everything I say. Musically. <laughs> yeah. Most of it would be a bit more kind of free jazz. Yeah, <laughs> it can't be done. So there's the pre-chorus. Although there is a there is a little maxim in songwriting, don't bore us, get to the chorus. It's one of the things we do in Resound quite often, isn't it? It's like, do you really need that pre-chorus? Oh, we're always or saying it, yeah. Does it have to be four lines? Could it be two? Could it be one? Yeah. Um, it's tempting to write them. And it's probably good to write them, but I think it's also often quite good to cut them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, sometimes they just delay things for this almost indulgently or, or yeah. for the sake of it. And the other thing, they often you often have the same lyrics. I think that's quite important when you have a pre-chorus. Is 
is that your somehow your pre-choruses should should echo or mirror each other. Yeah. So they're all, they're either exactly the same little set of lyrics. Here was life, their life was life forever, or they're almost the same. So they're a variation, and that, that yeah. way they become a thing to really get grab hold of in the song. Don't so they? let everything that has breath. Yeah. If we could see how much you're worth, and then if they could if see they how could much see, you're yeah. worth. Yes, yeah. you know it's very simple, but it, it does it does really work. What chord is uh, that starts on chord two, doesn't it? So it's chord two. Yeah, pre-choruses. Yeah, and then it builds up. Never cease to praise, like nice high note. Exactly. I used to love the drums in that one. Should we go to the bridge? Let's take it to the bridge. Take it to the bridge. Yeah. So what is the bridge? Well, the bridge is can be confused with the middle eight they effectively are the same thing it's another section of the song so you've got a verse and of course you've got verse which is in a sense is the journey you've got the chorus which is the the, the arrival the destination and then the bridge is a sort of a, a segue or a move off into something attached or related and you can really get two kinds can't you there i mean they're called the middle eight because they're often not particularly long and it can be a repeating thing mm-hmm. um they are again often relatively simple in terms of the chords they use um, and they're either a kind of a, a usually a, a sort of a gentle reflection on what you've been singing about, taking it a bit more personally, or they take it up another notch explosion, aren't they? Yeah. And they usually then lead back to a chorus. I mean, that's the st- that's the thing. It's they become a bridge where you you kind of take the segue off, and then it bridges back into the chorus. Mm. So I was thinking of. Uh, examples we talked about light of the world a few weeks ago it's got the and i'll never know how much it costs that's a that's a bridge or a middle eight which leads you back into the chorus or there's the um this is amazing grace worthy is the lamb that was slain yeah it's a building section there isn't it it's a kind of we've we've reached our peak now we're going to back off and we're going to build back to the chorus but by by meditating on on something it's quite simple there isn't it the words yeah i think a danger with bridge is you can either be too similar to the rest of the song yeah in which case it's like oh isn't this just kind of a slight variation on the verse or chorus or it can be so different so the temptation to to say something new can lead you off you know in a completely different theological or yeah postural place and and then you kind of or i think the other problem people do is they write a melody so complicated that the congregation are like oh, what? You know, we just learned the verse and the chorus and now you're expecting me to learn. I can't be bothered to learn that. Yeah, exactly. So I I think writing a good bridge is such a skill because it has to be both different, but also a logical, you know, development. And it has to be melodically so strong and so... um, almost predictable or yeah. logical after the rest of the song. Because it but... barely gets used compared to the rest yeah. of the song. But I think my main critique with the bridge section, more th- even more than the pre-chorus, is that people get to that section and sort of abandon all sense of harmony and melody. There's a sort of fashion. <laughs> I, I, think, I think this is true. There's a fashion for these little sections where... I think it's because people want to have a kind of building harmony. So quite often you get this thing where the bass note moves up by a step each time or something. And people write melodies that are really simple, but so simple they just don't even fit the chords. I don't know why that's the fashion. Um, And maybe because once or twice people have done it and it's been brilliant. And with some of these, I call them subsidiary sections because I think you've got to say, why does it need to be there? If you've really got something that needs to be said there or got some purpose for it, then put it in. Um, 
if you're just doing it because you're sort of worried the song isn't long enough, or you think all songs have to have nine sections, yeah, it's not necessarily true. It's fair. Yeah, fair, harsh but fair. Harsh but, harsh fair. but fair. And then finally, we are onto the tag. At uh, the very end of the song. So the difference between a tag and a bridge is that a tag doesn't take you anywhere except the end. Yeah. It's tagged on the end and it just uh, sits there. Um, a bridge tends to build back to the chorus somehow. And that means that the tag is often very um, simple and doesn't have any sense of musical tension within it. It's usually a final thought, response, or reflection, often even just a few words, sums up where you've arrived at the very end of the song. Um, a classic would be Matt Redman's um, Jesus Christ, I think upon your sacrifice. And then it's got that, Thank you for the cross, my friend. Is that a tag or does mm. that? I think it's supposed no, to be think... a tag, but I do take it back to the chorus sometimes. Yeah, I, but it tails off. It's I, supposed to just. It's, I agree it's musically. Ending, it? it does. It doesn't build, build, build back yeah. into the chorus. It and you can often repeat them multiple times. Um, I I tend to also see them as an opportunity to change the words. Hey, yeah. So um, if you know the song uh, "Amazing Love," how can it be? Yeah, has that little tag. You are my king. Yeah, Jesus, you are my. And we will often, you know, try and in the moment, if there's a, you know, you're my healer, you're my saviour. Um, so I think you can use them in that way. I think a related section is also, it's more in gospel music, but in it will be the vamp, the, which is yeah. like a kind of repeated, <laughs> tends to be quite a funky moment in the song in, in gospel. Um, if you listen to sort of Kirk Franklin or uh, Israel Houghton, I mean, I guess the, um, you are good all the time people will probably know that as, yeah. a, as a vamp and normally in the gospel where you've got a choir they're normally stacking the harmonies yeah. up as well at that point um so you know if if you're a, if you're wanting to to break out of just sort of you know white western yep. uh worship music then then maybe that's another thing to try is that sense that section of kind of picking up the groove yeah. a bit thinking about the harmonies and again it, it's that sense of i think the something quite important when you're doing repetition is are you really repeating anything worthwhile yeah you know you, okay people can criticize you know uh, modern worship music as being too repetitious but i think if you're repeating something good then it has that sense of meditation yeah. and I'm, I'm going deeper into this it's going from my head to my heart and it's but if the if the repetition is do 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 da 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 or something you know completely banal uh <laughs> Then I think you know the, the the criticism is is valid. So I I would say you know if you're if you're going to use a repeated tag or something, think is this actually something worth repeating? Yeah. There you go. Then those are the different sections of the song, and that is the end of the workshop. Our interview this week is with Geraldine Luce, or as you may know her, Geraldine Latty. Uh, we're really thrilled that Geraldine and her husband, Kerry, have come on board with us in Resound, and they're writing some songs with us. And um, Sam, you spent a bit of time with Geraldine recently and have recorded an interview for us. So, Geraldine. Hello. Hello. <laughs> um, you and I have been teaching this songwriting course at LST. I reckon this is our fifth year. Wow. At London School of Theology yeah. together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's been a bit of a journey. Um, mm. And it's exciting. But I first want to know, how did you get started with songwriting? Oh, right. Right. Well, for me, 
I guess I'd, I was always, my roots are Pentecostal and, and in that kind of vibe, there's the improvisation mm. thing. And, um, and in terms of improvisation, so you, in leading worship or whatever, you're always making up songs. So I was always doing that and um, writing down a few of them, but to be honest, they were just, they just kind of went into the air and they disappeared. And, um, and then when I started um, getting involved in worship in my own local church and then leading at national events, and then getting used to songs that were coming from all over the world of all these different songwriters. Mm. To be honest, I just thought actually people are singing things that I want to say, yes. or at least I could find yeah. songs that were singing what I wanted to say. So I never even thought I need to write a song for this. And um, and to be honest, it was Carrie, uh-huh. ah, the man himself, uh-huh. who said um, one day I was kind of I gave him my stock answer which I gave to everybody so people would say why don't you write songs and I would say things like well I don't write because of people singing songs that I want to sing and writing songs that I want to write and if I wrote because I was teaching um, G- GCSE at that time mm. my songs would end up being da 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 amen yeah, so I just yeah. thought oh, forget that so but Carrie just wasn't having it he was he just <laughs> looked at me and says no Geraldine you need to be writing the songs that God is singing through you that was the first time that I and I realised that I could there was no wiggle room in that at all (laughs) so I was like right okay he played the God card didn't he yeah he did (laughs) you know what how that happened so so um, so basically I came home and um, because we were at a conference at that time and I came home and just started to improvise some sung worship and then out of that came one of the first songs that I actually wrote down and recorded and thought, right, I need to craft this mm. song. So that was, um, Lord, I come longing to know you, mm. Lord, I come. And so from that point, I think, that's when I thought, right, this is something I need to work at and um, and to develop as a skill, mm. you know, and to ask God for help to do yeah. it as well. So, yeah, I guess it was that that point. Mm, cool. Yeah. And you... People might know you from writing worship songs because uh, you've, you know, done the albums and you've done mm. them at conferences. And yeah, yeah. Maybe they sing some of your songs in their church. But mm. I know that you also write kind of performance songs, mm. more like sort of pop songs or mm. um, songs that, you know, might be done at a, a club or a bar or something. Yeah, yeah. But then also you're writing a lot recently of the kind of community choir stuff and the spiritual so I'm particularly interested in this in that those last songs those community choir ones and coming from the spirituals what's the difference when you sit down to write those Mm. compared to the other songs Mm. I think um, the, the basic premise for the spirituals was we wanted to write songs that were short Mm. accessible that could be taught and learnt within an hour's rehearsal for a choir mm. in three-part harmony. Yeah. So that was the practical stuff and the the ethos, the context of that would be um, writing through the Psalms. Mm. So we wanted to, we literally just started at Psalm 1 and are working our way through and so, so um, and that obviously in terms of the spirituals comes from the direct link of, you know, spirituals and that kind of 
anchor into hope and mm. freedom and okay this is what I'm facing now in terms of alienation and degradation but mm. this is not my story and the psalm just resonates so much yeah. with that so when we sit down our focus is very narrow in that sense in that it's it's we're thinking right it's short it's got to be accessible learn to three by harmony but it needs to be anchored in that psalm yeah. story so when when we look at whether it's Psalm 4, um, which one of the songs that came out of that was, When I call, God, hear my prayer. Look this way, Lord, I need you here. Again, we're just thinking, right, so short, three-part harmony, but it's about that place of longing, God, look this yeah. way. Or the Psalm um, 35, um, which we start, which I'm just working through now. Um, that one is... Um, God, how long will you stand there doing nothing? It's so wrong. So that kind mm -hmm. of thing. So again, it's it's just so helpful to have that very um, focused brief so that yeah, we yeah. can just think, right, so we're not going to kind of go into floaty stuff in that sense, or we're mm. not going to go into stuff that's quite complex to learn, mm. or we're not going to go into um, other themes other than the kind of um, celebration of hope or freedom or hanging on in the hard time. So yeah oh cool yeah so it's, it's kind of the power of actually having a limited brief yes yeah that sort of and i guess the fact that you also then on other days are thinking now it's a performance song yeah it's a yes, totally different it is and sometimes we actually look at one psalm and and um look at it with those different kind of lenses so we might kind of say right let's do the spiritual kind of lens and do that and then right let's so let's do the same psalm but for the songwriter, so the so the difference between when I call for one and then another song that came from the same psalm, which is about rainbow, and hmm. it's just that place of how can a rainbow affect my heart and mm. unlock feelings from the past, and so it's a very different kind of um, yeah different outcome from the same mm. psalm. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, and something else I noticed about you is your. I would say prolific, like you're always right. saying to me, oh, I've got a new this song, there's right. this new song, there's that new song we could do. Um, and I also know that you you have a process now, maybe, I don't know if you did before, but right. where there is, things are moving forward and yeah. they're, they're going from an idea to a development to, yes. you know, and that you, so what's your, what's your process? Yeah. How do you? Well, behind me on the studio wall here, you can Check see a tree. Out. And I mean, basically we, Kerry and I were, try to put aside a day a week at least a day when we're together writing um together and that's when we'll look at the psalm idea or we'll look at the same psalm and do the singer songwriter vibe and uh, and then we'll tag team that so we'll Kerry will sing, sing a phrase from the psalm I'll sing a phrase and then we'll kind of bounce off ideas and stuff so having done that which we recorded we mm. then go back and then timeline it so we listen yeah. to the whole recording and then kind of say right at, at 30 seconds in that felt like a great tag oh, or wow. at 65 seconds in what about looping that or gosh that was a really great phrase or that didn't really work so we'll actually timeline the whole mm -hmm. thing and then I'll take that away and do what I call word chasing. Mm -hmm. So I'll just take it and try and form it either into verses, choruses, or one long verse or whatever. So I I will do that. And what was happening um, previously is that I would get it to that stage and then we'd do our next 
tag team song and basically song just began to back up the wall mm -hmm. and we just thought no we need to have a sense of where is this song going otherwise you just end up with lots of little tidbits of songs in folders you know mm. collecting dust yeah. so we um so we we realized that actually you no know, after that stage of me doing a bit of word chasing we need to come back to what we call the playthrough stage and play it through again and that's when Kerry will add his wisdom again in terms of actually that lyric doesn't quite sit or what about this idea so again we kind of chase it down to um a kind of more complete format and then having done that we'll then chart it so then I love the process, my handwriting's appalling, but I love the process of actually writing by hand. A physical that, like Yeah, physical, dots. yeah, exactly. So I love that. But from but once we've done that playthrough stage, I then kind of get to the laptop and start typing it in. So then it becomes the printed page. Carrie uh -huh. then does the Zabalia thing on it. So then it becomes a chart. Mm -hmm. So then we've got those two um, charts and then we'll take it forward from there, still tweaking, chasing words and stuff. And then eventually when we feel, yeah, that feels ready, mm. we'll then take it to the recording mm. stage. So Carrie will do some tracking, I'll put some vocals on it. And and if it's that's if it's going to the recording stage. Alongside that, we'll we we we're just blessed with so many lovely, lovely friends who we can say, Do you wanna come round and just play yeah. through with us? Yeah. So that's another kind of um direction where it just be becomes something else so even at that stage we can be tweaking and changing yeah. and adapting stuff um and then at that stage then the decision is do we go to cd or to a recording or to a um a production there or do we take it to a live event concert mm -hmm. whatever or do we take it to a community choir or yeah. do we take it to um or does it just go on the this isn't going to work anywhere yeah, stage. Yeah. So it kind of... What what sort of percentage of songs are, are that? You're writing a lot, mm. but how many do you think sort of go into the ground? Yeah. Um, that's an interesting question because there is a difference, I think, between going to the ground and not yet found an opportunity okay. to be recorded or to be performed. Mm -hmm. So um, I would say at the moment, in terms of going to the ground, I mean, my songwriting folder there, there is a little folder that has, I don't think these are going to work. They're mm. kind of, I keep going back to them and it's like, they're not quite, those feel like they're being put to, put to ground at the yeah. moment. But there are, there's a whole thick folder here that's kind of, to be um, for performance, for getting friends around to play. There's another thick folder for tracking, for recording. Mm. So there's, so in that sense, it, it, it just, yeah, it feels like a bit like a tidal wave and it, that it's, it, it, the momentum is still there mm. for those, even though they've not yet reached the public ear. Okay, that's really interesting. Because mm. knowing that you're somebody that works through songs and crafts them and it's, you know, it's not just a five minute job, mm. it's, it's interesting to me to also to think that, yeah, you do work them through, but mm. then also they can sort of get all the way through a lot of that process, but mm. then actually be, well, maybe we'll perform that. Yeah. You know, yes. there's not a sort of preciousness mm. that mm. I think I've often seen in myself and in other songwriters where you put all this graft into a mm. song mm. and then you kind of go, right now the world must yeah. hear it. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, yes. but it seems yeah. quite healthy almost that you you're kind of 
gardening away with all mm. these different plants and then mm. some of them are yeah you know, and the critiquing pretty. stage really helps that so one thing that i have omitted to say is you know running it by people like you mm-hmm. and other friends who some who are musicians but some who are not at all but they love the word they yeah. love how words form how words sound particularly in in music and worship they they love um things to makes sense theologically yeah. so so you know Kerry and I could have been diligently working through our songs and I've got it to the playthrough and beautiful charts but then we kind of run it by people like you <laughs> or others who say that makes no sense yeah. you know what I mean yeah. and so it's kind of at that point that we're able to say right we need to tweak and sometimes that's the, the harder graph because it's like this just isn't going to fit let me just put that to one side yeah. for later or put it to bed and work on this one so mm. yeah, yeah and just for if people are listening here I mean you obviously commit significant time to this mm. you know mm. you'll give I mean how much of your week would you say you're writing songs and working on songs? yeah well a day when we're working together starting from the seed idea and then I try to give over at least an hour at least an hour a day mm. but the best days are when I've had I've got more time to do that to chase it down mm-hmm. and um and sometimes it might be an hour in the morning and then an hour again in the afternoon chasing down different um songs I love that phrase I, I'm t- I don't even know where I got it from but it was from the the author of um eats leaves and oh all that. What's yeah eat shoots and leaves that's right yeah. yeah and she got it from another writer who she who she described being out in the field somewhere and she'd get an idea and she would just run <laughs> to her home just like i'm running ahead of this idea chasing it down because yeah. it's here somewhere yeah and because i used to use the, the phrase word crunching and crunching it through which which um i used for years but actually i i just find it more helpful to use the word chasing it in the sense that it's out there somewhere rather than me trying to manipulate something it's actually it's there it's finished it's ready please god um something that that god is inspiring but like yeah i want to chase that Mm. um chase that down till it till i feel like i've rinsed it you know yeah Yeah. oh great now what i was kind of getting onto a little bit was there might be people who don't have a super musical talented husband who they can right, yeah, collaborate yeah, with yeah. don't feel that they can give a day plus you an know hour an hour a day, a day. Yeah. Um, what would you are there principles from your process that even if people mm. can't do this you know es- essentially professionally mm. and mm. in in their what would you say to them mm. you know if they're sitting at home thinking oh I'd love to do that but yeah good good point and and I think I mean, I wasn't always in this position. This has um, been something that I think I've woken up to in the last two years in particular. Um, But before that, um, I think I would be just the one that would say, oh, I'll wait till I'm inspired, you know what I mean? Or I'd go to a conference or I'd read a book and it'd be like, I've just got to journal this. Mm. Let me journal it in a song. And, And it would tend to be holiday time so it tend to be when I've got time and space to read and then time and space to kind of write and chase things down and I and I would say however however you find that time dedicate that time to the writing so um I used to 
um, say things like, okay, I'll, I'll dedicate a half term week to it. So that would mean that the rest of my time would be um, the kind of hand to mouth. But half term week, the main focus of that week would be writing. I had other responsibilities and things I needed to do, mm. but the main focus of every day would be writing. And that would be it for months right. in terms of writing. So I think it's kind of finding out where can you get those golden times that you can eke out. It might be, okay, I can only afford a Saturday in, where are we now? So late October. Then then ring fence that day and that's it, or ring fence an evening or which isn't always ideal because we're, we're tired at the end of the day, most of us, but find some golden moment that you think, right, I'm going to ring fence that. If that's if you want to do it. I mean, yeah. if there's that passion in your belly to write and mm. and um, and to get something down, then, then think of yourself as a creative. That, yeah. That's what you do. Yeah. That's who you are. And uh, and by the grace of God, find ways to be creative about your time, mm. and then and then ring fence it so that for the me- for the most part, yeah, there are other responsibilities, but today is my writing day. Mm. That's yeah. cool. Okay, so changing um, direction a little bit. Mm. Uh, a lot of your songs have quite a bias towards the poor or the marginalised. Mm. Um, people having hard times mm. uh, and often I find that that's very naturally embedded within what is really a corporate worship song or yeah. a, or a yeah. choir based worship song Yeah, and that's something that I think people struggle to do in a natural way right. and you yes. get a very obvious sort of sticks out like a sore thumb mm. justice song got you yeah I'm doing the bunny ears yeah, um, yeah or you'll just you know get a foot of middle of the road standard worship song yeah your songs kind of embrace all of that mm. so where does that come from and how mm. do you how do you include those themes without it being kind of tagged on mm. i i owe a lot to i guess the legacy that i'm living mm-hmm. you know so i in some ways, I don't know any better. I don't know any different in in some ways because my parents were... Um, I'm first generation West Indian in this country. My parents emigrated from Jamaica. And um, um, and so the story of, of my life, I'm one of six um, children, the story of our lives is, is knowing God and the faithfulness of God in difficult times mm. and learning to be resourceful mm. and in um, intrinsically um, attaching the music and the songs of our mouths with what we see around what we saw mm. around us in our experience so part of my experience was um, growing up was you know and I've said the story I don't know how many times but seeing mum for example stirring um, a, a pot just full of boiling water wow. on the stove while thinking that there is nothing in the house to feed my family and so while she's stirring the pot she is singing I must tell Jesus all of my troubles that's that you mm. don't forget that mm. as a 10 year old 11 year old you kind of think oh mum is attaching something about the song of our heart with the reality of stirring this empty yeah. and then five ten minutes later seeing um, God 
uh, provide through, well, my sister ran in mm-hmm. from outside and said, Mum, Mum, someone's left some carrier bags outside the back door, stuffed full of food. Wow. So she'd run in from the back with these bags of food, about three or four bags. You don't forget that, no. do you know what I mean? So, no. so we're watching, so I'm hearing that, I'm seeing Mum's faith and Dad as well, him singing, you know, when there were either struggles with... Um, uh, finance or whatever or health or people in the community church community struggling they sang mm. and they sang it they sang the story so for me I don't know any better or any different because <laughs> I, that's, I think oh well that, yeah that's what we do when Great. we when we get the story we sing it yeah, you know? yeah. so uh, so for me um, I guess growing up and when I said earlier about people were singing the songs that I wanted to sing I think that was certainly true to a certain extent, but when I reflect on that now, there weren't very many songs, certainly in the contemporary um, kind of music market then, that were reflecting songs about holding on in hard times Mm. and that kind of things. But what I was, the songs that I would pull on for that, to articulate that, would have been songs of my childhood, would have been the, the the old church songs that I grew up with, you know, Father alone we'll know all about it. Mm. You know, this hold on and and um, the um, keep ringing those prayer bells of heaven was another one. You know, so all of these yeah. random songs yeah, that, yeah. that I guess were just a part of my legacy. So when I um, come to right now, I, and I guess it's a developing thing, I wouldn't say that I kind of am this... Um, crusader for the justice song i think it's just something you grow into and you realize actually this is this is who i am it's a part of Mm. the song that god is singing through me Mm. and it's 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 not over the song that god is singing through you or people that are just kind of focused on the praise thing Mm. you know but part of the song that that i feel god is singing through me it just has that essence and resonance about Mm. it and so when whether i'm leading the sung worship thing or writing, I guess I'm looking for how, okay, how does this resonate with a God that hears the cries and is biased towards mm. the cries of the poor? Mm. How does, how can I draw that from this Psalm? How can I pull even into something that is, um, explicitly praise if I'm leading it how can I say yes and this God that we're praising is a God of justice mm. you know so it's I guess it's just the way that I'm wired in that so that's the first half of our interview with Geraldine we'll bring you the rest of that next time um, we're going to have in a moment we'll have a song from Geraldine Lord You Hear The Cry um, which is the first song that she's released with us um, as our featured song and you can also find out some other stuff because as well as working with us, Geraldine and Carey, they have a, a website, loosemusic.london. That's L-U-C-E music.london. And there's a lot of stuff there about their work getting people singing, basically. It's working with choirs, community choirs, gospel choirs and so on, isn't it? And there's some really, there's some helpful materials there, some songs, and there's uh, events and things that they do as well. Uh, so we're just going to wrap up. Um, as we said before, we love to hear from you i think our feedback of the week is a message on facebook from Susie, who said i'm loving your podcast and i can't even write songs brackets (laughs) brackets you can put that on the poster and that was Susie. well Susie, we haven't just put it on the poster we've put it in the podcast 
So That's thank you very much for awesome. getting in touch. Touch is lovely Thanks, to hear from Susie. you. The twelve song challenge will kick off at the beginning of January. We've got our two um, passages from the Bible. So uh, please join us. Have a go. See what you can come up with. So until next time, which will be January, we need to wish you a very happy Christmas. Sam, will you do that in Swedish for us? A uh, good deal. Oh yeah, I, I, I knew that one. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Feliz Navidad. That's in Spanish. Do you know any others? Uh, Joyous Noel. Oh uh, yeah. Bon anniversaire. <laughs> uh, we'll see you next time. Lord, you hear the cry of the widow weeping. Lord, you hear the cry of the child ill treated. Lord, you hear the cry of the depressed one sinking. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy on us. Lord, you hear the sound of the proud ones laughing. Lord, you hear the sound of the childless hoping. Lord, you hear the sound of those in debt and Struggling, Lord, have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy on us. Break the heavens, Lord. You said the poor are not forgotten. Let your justice roll in mighty waves across the earth. Come and wait. Justice.
Thank you.